Here we go. Hey, everybody. This is John Seth, and this is John Seth's World. And today we're interviewing the founders of what? what's the project's name? Root Project. Root Project. Okay. Um, and you guys are running an ICO, right? We're just in the pre-ICO phase right now. All right, pre-ICO. Can you, I mean, so I'm actually really uh, interested in kind of exploring the entire ICO process because like, you know, I've been, I've been doing this uh, Bitcoin thing for a while and this entire process, the, like where ICOs started, how people are like actually going about getting the funding, putting these documents together. To me, it's a mystery because it seems like there were a lot of people who had no idea what any of this was. And then all of a sudden, now we see thousands and thousands of ICOs, not thousands, but hundreds of ICOs now coming out um, very quickly in short order with all of these documents ready. And uh, it, it, I, so I imagine you guys aren't, didn't just come up with this yesterday. Correct. Okay. So when, how long have you guys been working on Root Projects? And then let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what Root Projects is. Um, so we've been at it for, uh, I'd want to say, three or four months at this point, which in entrepreneurial terms is yesterday. Um, but I had been working for a while. I have a, a for-profit um company called Wander Plus, and I was preparing an ICO for um, a sort of um, uh, Airbnb, uh, token-powered Airbnb that would be distributed and, um, uh, sorry to <laughs> well, this, start this is, uh, very this slow. Is Nick, Dr. Nick Judge, right? Yes, okay. yes. So um, you, you started Wonder Well, yeah, but like, you guys, I mean, you guys are putting doctor on all yeah. your documents. So, like, it's clear to me that you guys want people to know that you are, in fact, Doctor Nick Judge. Um, I imagine because you think it lends credibility to the project. Um, so, I did my dissertation on models that were designed for foreign exchange markets, um, and I think that, generally speaking, um, getting back to some of the dynamics that you're talking about where people are kind of flooding into the ICO space. I think there's a lot of um, maturation that is going on um, as um, cryptocurrency markets are starting to be fused with traditional finance markets. And I think that there's a lot of learning that can go on in both sides. So I think what is the, that... What, what do you mean by maturation? Like what, what maturation is occurring here? Um, to choose an example from our ICO, we are um, promising some real-time um, data publication and formatting in a way that should give investors um, of a quantitative bent a very easy ability to sense where our equilibrium price is, and therefore um, it should allow for a little bit of volatility suppression um, in a way that um, would be really good for the underlying value of our cryptocurrency. And we're putting that forward as a sort of best practice solution um, for cryptocurrencies in general. I, I'm not even if sure think, what all that means. So like if you can like, before you, before we get into way. that, Nick, like what yeah. is, let's, let's explain what root project is. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening and they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? You know? And like, that's very, that's uh, that's probably a good question to answer before we talk about the mechanics of your trading algorithm strategy 
you know. <laughs> I've, I've never claimed to be a great communicator, Josh. So <laughs> you, you and um, you and me both. Yeah. Um, so root project is um, based off of a very successful um, anti-poverty program in uh, that started in Albuquerque. And it's very simple. You just um, use cryptocurrency van and recruit um, panhandlers who are begging uh, and you offer them day labor with um, very little attachments to, you know, being able to, all they have to do is be sober uh, and they'll get paid at the end of the day if they put an honest day's work in. Um, And that is old enough now that data has come out of that program and it's been such a success that other cities are emulating it. Um, and so that's the first, we can talk about the core element of uh, Root Project service delivery without even talking about a cryptocurrency. Okay, so your, your inspiration is this Albuquerque program. And, yeah. And, and, and what so is, is, is Root Project just exactly the same thing, just applied elsewhere? So we are, mar- so the Albuquerque program is just a city nonprofit program where they just let people pick up trash and stuff like that. Um, We're marrying that to a crowdfunding platform and a model that we're calling the laborless crowdfunding model. So you can go on, you see something in your neighborhood that would be cool, um, that would improve the neighborhood. Uh, You can crowdfund the budget for that project. And then unlike on Kickstarter, um, where you would then have to go complete that project, uh, Rude Project steps in and actually completes the project to the specification by using buttons. Um, what's that? So you're so like uh, the, the beauty of this is that it's a Kickstarter, but you don't have to do any of the work. Instead, bums are hired to do the work. Well, it's 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 not just bums, but um, underhoused people, people that are you know living in cars, um, people that are at risk of losing shelter. Um, and so to give you an idea of Albuquerque's, the effectiveness of this program, the Ho- Department of Housing Urban Development, HUD, said that they functionally have uh, eliminated veteran homelessness in, um, in Albuquerque. Now, like personally for me, you know, I come from Boston. I come from a place where, you know, we have, I walked to school on the road that Paul Revere took. And I'm not cool with veterans being homeless. Um, and so this is a program that has been proven to really help with that. Um, and the cryptocurrency is where it becomes scalable and super exciting for us. Uh, but it's a, I think it's a way to reintegrate people that have gotten knocked off their feet for whatever reason um, and uh, do it in a visible way where they really visibly improve the community and become, you know, good citizens and get reintegrated. Okay, so so why? Um, I, I, I I don't hate the idea. I mean, like, why? But why do you need crypto for one? And number two, why do you guys need to do an ICO? Like, what what is? Are you guys capping the ICO or what's what's going on here? Uh, yes, the ICO is capped. What's it capped um, at? We're yeah, we're doing twenty uh, percent of our token stock. Um, which would, depending on where either is at, because we're pricing it in either, um, either if we were really successful, it would it would it would be at about fifty million. Okay, so you need um, you need fifty million dollars. That's what you're trying to get. 
Um, sorry, can I like uh, just also uh, <laughs> add to the discussion? Uh, I'm Anton, by the way. Uh, I'm currently the development director for Root Project. Uh, I'm responsible for the ICO strategy and the smart contracts. Uh, with regards to the hard cap and soft cap, so like uh, the 50 million would be the hard cap, but for the soft cap for the main AC, which will be on the 5th of September, uh, which is basically the minimum fundraising goal, it would be much lower. Um, and um, uh, for the first question, where you basically say, why do you need a cryptocurrency? I'm an ultra time investor myself. I've been in Bitcoin since 2012. Uh, I've been investing in ICOs since 2012. Back then, they were basically called group buys for GPU cards. And that's like, uh, the, the Roots token is basically really the first crypto, uh, one, one of the only few cases where you can accomplish something only in a cryptocurrency. Because using uh, your own separate cryptocurrency, you can probably uh, tell to people that there is only so much in circulation. There is only so much supply. And using smart contract system, well, and you can let's, then and develop let's, the... Let's not, let's not bullshit. Like, you could absolutely accomplish this without cryptocurrency. You're, you told me Albuquerque did. Um, no, uh, that's, that's the Albuquerque program with cryptocurrency. So we have the medium-term pension fund to, basically financial, uh, to increase the financial motivation of the uh, workers doing the job. I think Nick can add on that. Yeah, so um, I approach this as somebody that um, really thinks about um, institutional capacity, right? What can an institution accomplish, whether it's a government or a nonprofit or a company? Um, and I think that the fundamental, for me, the single most exciting thing about crypto assets is that they can be designed in a way that gives nonprofits all of the power of markets and investors. What do you mean by that? Uh, and if we can, so the underlying act, because you can design a crypto asset, a cryptocurrency, um, in, in really kind of any way right now that your imagination, uh, you know, and the ability to put forth a credible plan is really the only limit. Um, and it doesn't need to be necessarily attached to a for-profit enterprise. I don't know what, um, I don't and, know what you mean, because these, these currencies are only capable of doing a few things. So, like... You can't cast your hopes and dreams on the cryptocurrency and just expect that it works. So what do you mean by you can design these in any way you want? Like if, if, so you, you, if you ask for the neighborhood the, to be cleaned up, someone has to like then decide that that has in fact happened. Right. Um, so let's use that neighborhood cleanup as an example. Now, I live in the East Village in New York. It's a very dirty neighborhood. Um, and um, let's say that we get local businesses on board. Um, everybody wants to just have all the litter picked up. Um, and, and let's say we put that budget at $100,000. And it's, you know, there's probably about a million people that live in and around the East Village. Um, and so 
we accomplish that, we raise $100,000, we go out and we pick up all the litter. Um, there's a 10% fee, that is the crowdfunding fee, and that's the same as Kickstarter. But the first twist is instead of just taking that 10% fee, we take that and purchase the token on the open market and then hold the token. So we're removing liquid supply. Um, and what do you do with that? What do you do with that? We hold as much of that fee as we can. Um, and some of it needs to be recirculated to fund operations. Um, but we try to hold as much of it back for as long as we can. Um, and then the next big sort of injection of demand into the cryptocurrency is uh, the worker pension fund. Um, and so workers get paid somewhere between a minimum wage and a living wage uh, in the local currency. What the fuck does that but mean? Then, a, a minimum wage and a living wage? How do you define what a living wage is? There are various measures, um, but the, we're being agnostic because we don't even know what city we're going to launch in yet. We, we're going to have to have a process of, of deciding what city is. Um, so let's just, you know, as a thought experiment, choose $10 an hour here. Um, so somebody gets paid, you know, if it's in New York, they get paid $10, that, that 10 seems bucks like, an but hour. But that seems like an important question. Well, what is a living wage? Because, like, this is... You're defining that people are going to get paid between zero and some random number, but like um, these random these bounds are completely contingent on I don't know what model you use to determine what a living wage is. Some would say that minimum wage is a living wage. So you can look at um, cost of living measures in any given area and add them up, and then work backwards from 40, 40 hours a week. Um, but I the reason I you know. That's kind of a whole separate question of index building, and um, you're right that it's not easy. You can say, "How the fuck do you do that?" But, um, but people do try to do that. You know, people that but, sort but, of study this. Stuff. But people aren't trying to. You guys are saying that your project is contingent on that. So, like, that's that's kind of an important thing to have an answer for. So, how are you going to? So, do it? we're choosing in a given market different numbers. Going to like. North Dakota is very different from, from you know, New York City. Um, and um, all of these numbers of, you know, obviously it has to be the minimum wage, um, but then it might be slightly higher in other areas as, um, as is appropriate for a given market. You know, so New York, you have to basically, you know, anything below $10 an hour in New York is a joke because rent and everything is absurd, right? Um, and so one of the things that we want to do is build out a lot of local academic networks and settle on a particular wage in a particular area. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to do perfectly, but you don't need to do it perfectly. You just need to have a good solid shot at like, okay, this is a good wage, you know. Um, but point being is you choose a wage for a given area um, and then – about wait, half wait, of wait a second. That, that's that's completely yeah. absurd, though, because like that is one of the most contentious political issues. So you're going to have what one or two people decide what the the given wage for a given area is, like the living wages for a given area, with with absolutely no actual like uh, I don't know equation or something like that that people could examine. You're you're this is a polit that's a political statement. 
what you believe a living um, wage no, should be. The, the idea of a living wage is, is fairly new even, like, and, and it is in fact a political statement. It's not necessarily just an economic concept. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's political economic. I mean, it, it's both, but um, there are people that, you know, work very hard at trying to come up with good guesses, you know, um, and we're not trying to enter a battle as to what is the appropriate wage in a given area. But the reality is, is we do have to set a wage in each area. So and I then, didn't mean to. No, that's right. And then, and then, so what yeah. these people who do the projects are going to get paid in root project token. No. So they get paid in the local currency. So, you know, us dollars, if it's the United States I see. and, and then a, um, a large portion, about 50% of that, gets put into a medium-term pension fund for them in the form of Roots tokens. Um, when it gets withdrawn, it gets converted back to dollars. Um, but Who's doing so the, the conversion? You know, we're, the, we're buying it off of the open market, and then when we need to liquidate it to get U.S. dollars, we are selling it onto the open market and depositing. And how do the funds get into the hands of these individuals who are um, unhomed? So there are some programs to get smartphones to um, people that are undersheltered, um, and they generally have been pretty successful. And that was actually where the idea first came up was uh, my friend uh, Melissa Mahoney. She's a psychologist and does a lot of work with homeless people. and. They get robbed at knife and gunpoint so much that um, she said when we were first just ex trying to explain cryptocurrencies to her, she was like, oh, you know, it's a shame you couldn't have that for very poor people because, you know, if it had a fingerprint sensor, it would save them from a lot of violent crime. Or, um, or, or then, someone would cut their fingers off. Um, but, like, I, <laughs> how are they going to hold this cash? Where are you distributing in, this cash? Uh, in a wallet that, you know, will be built for this purpose, sort of like what Humanique is doing, but, um, but yeah, oh God, yeah so it'll, it'll be in a crypto wallet. Um, so is it crypto or is it cash? Cause you're saying that it was USD. It'll be cash held in, in an online wallet. Um, and they'll, the pension fund will be held in, it's tokens. How will they spend? Um, but, how will they spend this money? So when they get access to the pension fund, they'll get that in dollars. And so they're, you know, most people that, you know, um, a lot of homeless people and stuff, they're not going to need to learn about what a cryptocurrency is and stuff like that. They're but, just going to know that they have. Okay, so they're going to get cash. Like paper money? They're going to get cash from a day's work. They'll get, you know, their payment, and then they'll have a pension fund that's held in roots tokens. But, Nick, but when it's Nick, time for the pension fund where, to disperse, where are they getting the cash from? They're they're getting paper money. You're saying that you're going to give homeless people paper money. Here is that. They're going to have their wa a online wallet, and they're going to have an ability to withdraw. So you guys are going to be a bank. No, we're not going to be a bank, but we are going to have a pension fund-like entity. Well, no, but how are uh, they going to withdraw this money? Like, um, they, they have to get cash at some point, right? 
Right. How do they get cash? So like cash the, money, like like paper, dollar bills, y'all. Like the kind of shit you can go to the strip club with. So, um, Anton, do you want, you know the space a little bit better than I. Um, you know, our desire is to work with a third party that is is trying to use sort of crypto solutions for um, banking, you know, the unbanked, um, because that is a big software lift that I don't think we're going to have to do personally, we can we can partner with somebody, assuming that they, you know, the service delivery is there. But yeah, it's, um, it's not I could there. To that, um, it is it is uh, it is true that it's not yet there. But projects like Humanique or Impact Finance in Canada, they are raising. Uh, you know, Humanique I think raised five million dollars, and uh, they are actively building the tools to bank the unbanked right now. So that, that doesn't, there, Anton. That doesn't mean anything. You can you can start a project to do anything, but like your entire project, you're telling me is contingent on the success of Humanique. Uh, no, no, it's not. Okay, so um, what, I, what I'm asking is, how do you get cash money into the hands of the people you're claiming you're going to help? Um, so, uh, giving the example, of, for example, uh, like you know, collecting the litter. So after the person has worked for a day collecting the litter. Uh, so he finished the day's work. He gets, uh, you know, X amount of US dollars straight away after the end of the job, after the end of the day, and he gets, uh, you know, fifty percent on top of Anton, in the form. Yeah. How does he get US dollars? Do they print out his phone? Does someone hand them to him? Does a, does um, a spaceship I, fly over him and drop them on his head? Uh, How does he get them? Yeah, and, and Nick, uh, could you please uh, tell how was it done for the Albuquerque project? Well, Albuquerque wasn't using anything online, so they were just given um, cash. Um, and we don't want to do that. We would like to use a solution like, like Humanique or something. Um, but... As you know, as your skepticism is, is well, it's not skepticism. Clear. It's a it's a fairly simple question. How do you get cash into the this? The entire project is contingent on your ability to pay the people you're saying that you're going to help. So I'm so, asking you how you're going to do the very simple thing of paying them because you're telling me that that's easy, or at least I would assume that that's easy because that's the entirety of we the value we prefer proposition. Crypto-powered online solution, but if that doesn't exist at the time that we're really rolling then offline traditional payroll methods will be used how because they don't have a bank account they can get the actual cash you know a money deposit um something along those lines that will give them day of access to the cash how so I'm I'm sorry. How is these? In, I mean, these are these are problems you, that are. Does money deposit work? Is your question? Well, or? I'm asking where are you gonna? Where, how would you accomplish that? I'm asking the mechanics. So like that should be fairly simple. How would you go about? Like how are they gonna get the cash money? If that's if that's a feasible option, then describe it to me. How do they get the cash so money? In the sim, so if if no tech exists that that makes this that makes a more elegant solution, then. Um, issuing money orders at the end of the day with enough time for that money to be withdrawn at a bank or other financial institution. Okay, so you're going to have them go to banks to get the money out? Like do a do like a wire to a person without a bank account sort of? 
well, it's not a wire. It's a physical money order and, and, you know, part of the process at the end of the day, if we have to rely on an offline solution, which, you know, we, I, we're not planning on relying on that, but, um, but yeah, it would be a money order and it would be, uh, in conjunction with a financial institution. I see. Um, yeah. okay. So, so, uh, that sounds like that part, the, the most important part of the project hasn't, hasn't been thought out very well yet. Is that the case? Well, I don't think that we're going to have to rely on that um, by the time that the program gets going. Um, but if we do, then um, it's a mechanical process that I don't think it requires. What I mean, what do, you, what do you think is going to be so different between now and when the project launches? Do you think that like all of a sudden there's going to be like a bunch of people accepting Humanique dollars? No, I just think that um, there is a massive rush by financial institutions to um, facilitate same-day payments and make them electronic. Um, you know, Venmo, for instance, has got a several-day lag, but there is a cross. Um, industry group whose name I'm forgetting, but it's are you pretty about, massive. Are you talking about R3? Uh, I'm not. Um, I Because again, this isn't a cryptocurrency problem. This is an ACH or SWIFT problem. And like, are you, are, are you of the opinion that settlement takes three days because of what, like some technical inhibition or? Well, I think the large banks have just been laggards in the space um, until, you know, the tech industry has been sort of forcing them to um, get caught up to the 21st century. I think that you're misunderstanding why banks take three days to settle. Um, I mean, do, do you think it's a technical inhibition? Is that what you believe? Or do you think maybe that there's like legal requirements... And that it's completely I'm familiar regulatory. with the Federal Reserve's like requirements about um, check clearing and all of that, um, and um, I'm not claiming to be an expert in payment tech here. Um, but that's but, what this entire project is. It's payment tech. This is payment tech for people who are working. And it's unbanked individuals. Well, it's definitely not what the entire project is. That is one sort of necessary requisite for um, the project to be as elegant as we would like it. But as I said, offline solutions, and it's not close to what the entire project is. It's not even the core of it. It's just a prerequisite for it. But it's a prerequisite. So you're doing an ICO for a project that has a prerequisite uh, that doesn't exist yet. So, I mean, like that, that no. just seems, that just seems uh, like a... Again, so look, I, I get the skepticism, but to say that the solution isn't there for simple same-day payments that are offline is just, it's just factually not correct. Well, it, it actually, right. it actually is there, but like, it's, it's not there for like U.S. dollars uh, and to do it with unbanked people unless, unless you have them using like, you know, Bitcoin. Um... In, in which case you have a weirder proposition because now they're going to have to figure out how to transition their money into Bitcoin and you're going to have these people, uh, you know, becoming local Bitcoin vendors, which maybe is a great idea. I don't know. So money orders are, are same day. I mean, there might be, to say that the same day doesn't require us to be doing everything in one day, right? But well, we're going to lose issuing... an enormous percentage if you're doing money orders. You're, you're talking about people that are making... Of an... 
So I, I think we're getting caught up in a side issue here. I maybe. am giving. Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was saying maybe. I'm just saying that, like, my, my point is that that you can provide an example of something like a money order, but like a money order is a ridiculously expensive uh, piece of paper that uh, doesn't really sufficiently do what you want. And the reason it doesn't is because that, that same-day settlement costs a lot of money. Um, so we are giving some physical, in, in the absence of an online solution, we're giving, whether it's a money order um, or something similar, it doesn't need to be same-day in our um generation of it right somebody completes the work and then they get some sort of receipt of payment but they don't it's not like we needed to create it that day we knew the project was right. going well, on for months. My, my central time. my central question was how do they get cash money in their hands i, I didn't I, I, the settlement period is a tangential issue that you were bringing up so I, i'm still wondering how do they get cash That's, money in their hands and no one's been able to answer that so the offline solution um uh, it, you know, just to be frank, it's, it just seems like it's such a, there are many different offline solutions that exist. And so we only, haven't really thought of that. Only for a, people that have bank accounts. Well, so I'm sorry, why doesn't a, a money order, I mean, a money order is obviously a high fee because example that, of that's, something that works, right. but I'm just giving an example of a very straightforward solution to what my, I don't think it but my point is that a money order isn't a very good solution because like it's a high fee example of what you're describing so like what do you have for because a lot of these people are probably unbanked that that seems obvious to me they're not going to pay $15 a month to have no money in their bank account right so, so what are solutions um, for the unbanked that you've considered we have wanted to partner I have corresponded with um, one company um, that are developing these solutions as we speak. And if they're not ready, then at that point in time, we'll have a choice between um, either waiting for them to be ready, developing the tech ourselves, um, or um, going with the offline solutions um, such as money, such as money. Okay. So, so then, yeah. then there's a, the matter of like you guys are raising fifty million dollars. That's a hard cap. That's like if everything is at, that's not our goal. That what's, is an what's the what's the small cap? Uh, a million. So you could. So this a, project will take either one million or fifty million dollars to complete. No, we have a minimum that we need to get going, and that's a standard startup level of money, right? Um, and, um, we would like to be able to scale it quicker and do everything that we want to do with it. Um, and there's some declining return, so we wouldn't let it go past 50 million. Um, but well, yeah, what could you like possibly do if you can do the project for $1 million, what do you need 50 million for? Like that, that to I, me seems like what, what are you doing that, that requires 50 million as opposed to one? So there's a lot of economies of scale going on. Um, it, let's take the scenario where everything is a perfect success and we've raised a tremendous amount of money. Then we are choosing pilot cities um, with a rather big stick. And so we can start to extract 
policy um, concessions uh, and cooperation out of local um, nonprofit networks and local governments. So the more successful we are, the more publicity the ICO gets, the easier our job is. Um, so $50 million you want because then it'll be good PR and it'll get easier to go to like governments and like say we have this money. We can launch more pilot cities. Um, we can do a better job. We can recruit. This is an area of study with that overlaps a lot of different fields and requires a lot of academic expertise because people can end up doing a lot more harm than good when they're dealing with extremely vulnerable populations. So the ideal scenario would be a set of academic committees composed of experts that have studied these issues for their whole lives. Um, but that type of thing is not um, a, obtainable with a million or $2 million. You need to really have this be a major project that can take on um, international attention. So the, the more money, the better we can do, the more, you know, the quicker the data comes in. Um, you know, one pilot city is the plan if we only raise a million dollars, but that's not ideal because all the data coming out of the pilot program is now contingent on just, well, maybe it was just that city or some quirk. Whereas if you have multiple pilot programs, could, could that going, be could that be the case that it could just be that city or that quirk? Right. So that's why you want to. So you're in. But but again, Nick, the idea your, would be to your have project a is based. Of, your project is based on a project that was in Albuquerque. So could it just be that Albuquerque it worked in, but it wouldn't anywhere else? Well, other cities are copying those, and so workday programs have generally been around since the 60s, and, and they're often successful. But what was innovative about the Albuquerque program was its outreach method and then its lack of conditions, really. I mean, basically, someone just had to be sober, and uh, then they could get, you know, an honest day's work and get back on their feet. Um, and so, um, so no, it's it's not just Albuquerque, but, but the features that are being copied in cities like Chicago and elsewhere um, of Albuquerque um, seem to be those what I just had. Okay, Nick, so, question for you. Yeah. What, what, is, what, what is the salary of the team members on this thing? So um, Chris and I will only be the only ones taking a salary right now. Okay, um, what will you make? You know, the ICO is... Yeah, what's that? What will your salaries be? Again, it's contingent on, you know, what we raise, but it will be in the, um, you know, sort of standard salary for a nonprofit um, executive. It's not going to be anything abusive. What, We're not taking any. Tokens. What is a standard what? salary for a nonprofit executive? Um, mean a range. Low, low six figures to low medium. Six figures. <laughs> to, to medium what? So, like in in the hundred and something, okay. um, which look you you can act like that, like I'm do, trying to get homeless people money for selfish reasons, but well, I'm, I'm not acting like that, Nick. But that that's that's a high amount uh, for like a Josh. Can I can I please so, uh, assert a comment here? Yeah, um, I think that Nick and Chris, uh, you know, uh, most SEOs today, uh, they reserve like ten percent for founders, like ten percent of of tokens. 
of coins go to the founders as a reward. That's that's standard free. ICO practice as that's established standard, yeah, in that's, the last that's like as established in yeah, the last yeah. like month and a half where ICOs have been popular. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you but understand that ICOs like, are brand new, so like this this yes. like notion of a standard practice is just ridiculous. Um, in ninety percent of cases, it's usually the case. If you think about the big ICOs that raise like fifty million plus, like Bancor, like Stato, Anton, there's there's maybe eight of those, so you can't say ninety percent. So like that's that's um, that's nuts. Okay, even if you take like five million plus ICOs, there are still the majority of them uh, founders leave. A it's still it's so still a ridiculous so. statement because this is literally a month and a half old phenomenon. You understand that, um, right? I, I would not say it's a one month. I mean, uh, the first ICOs, the first like okay, three large ICOs started in, in January, six, eight months. But you can still start in the development. You know, if you read the white papers for the ICOs that are upcoming in the future, they still reserve, reserve the funds for the uh, for the founders. In our case, Chris and Nick, the two co-founders, are not getting any free tokens. You know, the max they will get is going to be the salary. Okay, so here's another question I have, and this is actually about Chris. Mm-hmm. So you guys are are, are uh, he, he he was a founder of a company called Prepped, right? Yes. All right, and and you guys have been saying he's a Y Combinator alum. Yeah. I can't find yeah. any evidence of that. Is like, I, I, not not to say he wasn't, but I've been looking for evidence that he was a Y Combinator alum. I see nothing. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Chris pretty well. Um, so, I mean, I, I could get him in, in touch with you to give you some sort of document or something. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, I just I Google Y Combinator and uh, prepped with a D. Yeah. Um, and what do you get? You get... Oh, so business. The first... First link, December 19th. Um, worked on the Lunchbox Wallet Y Combinator. Uh, yeah, so the, those links come up right away for me. Where, where, where are you looking at this? Right, right now I'm looking at Business Insider. There's a, a story on that. Um, okay, so there's one, which... Again, is essentially PR, but I don't see any other evidence anywhere else. Here's here's a tech TechCrunch. Um, I read the TechCrunch articles. I don't see anything about a Y Combinator in them. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just reporting in real time. No, I'm 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 well aware that I I started looking yeah. at this today. I I see very little evidence of it, and it worries me. Considering that the only thing I really see is a, a Kickstarter money grab by Chris, where he asked for 25K and I don't know what he made. Was it 700,000 for a lunchbox? Several. It was, it was above a million. But 1.5 million. Uh, yeah. It's gotten great reviews. They've. I don't doubt that. I'm sure, it's a, I'm sure it's a wonderful lunchbox, but I've never heard of one getting kickstarted. So that that I'm sure is a unique lunchbox. But I'm I'm wondering if there's any other evidence that he actually was a Y Combinator alum. I've looked at the class lists. I've looked at the number. I've, I've tried to find everything I can on this. And this uh, this Business Insider 
piece where he, it's a quote from Chris himself saying that he worked on the lunchbox while at Y Combinator is the only thing I can find. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, why don't, why don't we get Chris to, to send you something if you're looking he, for confirmation? I mean, is he around? Um, he's in Hong Kong right now, okay. um, but we can, we'll, we'll get him in touch with you. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause, cause that seems like, that seems like a thing you guys are at least touting as like, that is his competency. It seems. Yeah, I, th I think it's relevant. I think that um, the, you know, looking at the outside, something like a lunchbox seems kind of simple, but seeing him deal with a startup and um, all the scaling issues and his. Well, did he launch in 2016? Is that the case? Uh, was it 2016 or was it 2015? I, I mean, I, um, I see he did the Kickstarter in 2016. At the at the very beginning of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, well, that's fine. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. So, so 2016 yeah. he launched. So I mean, yep. I, um, and and now, so now he's leaving his lunchbox company. No, we're both retaining our our for-profit enterprises. Okay, but, so you're going to retain uh, your for-profit enterprises and get a, a multi a six-figure salary on a non-profit entity that you're doing on the side. Because this 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 seems problematic. The entire proposition. Um. So we're not set on. It's going to be. It's going to depend on how each of these projects shake out. Um, if somebody is not working full time on a project, then they're not going to get a six figure salary. Well, Nick, you just said you're not working full time on the project, but you just said before that you are getting a six figure no, salary. No, I'm, I'm I'm working full time right now. Like everything to the side is to the side for me right now, um, because Chris and I agreed that I'd be handling the ICO. Um, so this is you know a lot more than full time right now. Okay, but then after uh, after the ICO, are you going to continue to work full time for it, or are you going to retain your for profit project? Um, I'd like to, retain, yeah, I would, I'd like to retain it. Um, but it's a question of feasibility. Um, it's a question of, cause I'm hearing you hedge uh, a lot more now than you did just a second ago where you said that you were going to definitely, the two of you would retain your four project for profit projects. I'm not trying to hedge at all. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, be honest and, and open with you about, um, the fact that, you know, the ICO hasn't happened yet, so we don't really know the extent to which this will call on, um, you know, the, the sort of time requisite for this. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this isn't like the, the work I do, like having done some stuff in big data, you know, doing a lot of sort of time series econometrics and stuff like this is not a money-making path for people of our background here. This is something that we think is a good thing that, that for can't, humanity. That can't, be, that can't be true because if it were that you do it for free, that's what volunteer work is. You're taking a multi-six-figure a multi, a, a six salary in order to do a thing that you think is good for humanity, and you wouldn't do it any other way, it sounds like. Or, or would you do it without a salary? 
I don't know. Like, I would. I'm, I'm really okay. here, here, Adam. I'm really I sick. I'm here. Okay, and but, I'm. But so... you already have a salary. You have a for-profit, and you don't need a, a six-figure salary. That's that's way. It's funny to hear from a person that they want to uh, solve this like living wage problem, and on the other side of their mouth, they're talking about a six-figure salary, which is nearly two and a half times what the average American makes, which I'm okay with. I don't mind people doing, uh, having, uh, making six figures, not by any means, but I, I do think that it's a little bit duplicitous. I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if it comes off that way, but I mean, like a fireman in New York makes often a hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's New York city is an extremely expensive place. We're not making that up, you know? Um, so I don't think taking a reasonable salary to shepherd something that is great for humanity um, is is duplicitous. I think that I'm not. I wish that I was moneyed aristocracy and I could just do something and take no salary. Can I just real, uh, real quick? Uh, a starting salary for a firefighter in New York is thirty nine thousand three hundred seventy dollars. I yeah. I didn't say all of the time. I said. Um, After five years, a firefighter can make close to $100,000 if you include overtime and holiday pay. Right. Okay, so that that's a, that's a false statement. I didn't say all firefighters made... Um, you said a firefighter... The, 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 the implication is that most firefighters, or at least that a firefighter in New York, on average, is going to be making one hundred k a year, which isn't... I definitely isn't didn't true. say that. You're definitely now just straight up putting words in my mouth. And I get general uh, skepticism, but I also don't really need, like... Well, I'm, I'm asking you to step me through this, because, like, Nick, these statements are problematic, and I'm, I'm explaining why. You're telling um, me that... Sorry, sorry. Uh, Josh, can I interrupt you there? Absolutely. I'm just... I'm just on nyc.gov, and I'm checking here that after five years, the average salary for a firefighter is $110,000. No, that's, that's not an average salary. That's what a, a, a I, I just said this. So, yeah, after five oh, years. Well, 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 let's talk after, after five years. You know, after you, once you start, you get 45 k 39950 I believe, is. Yeah, yeah, it, it starts. It's starting salary for a firefighter. Yep. After five years, a firefighter can make close to $100,000. Including overtime and holiday pay. So okay, so then you know, so there we go. So like Nick, what what? How many years have you had running a nonprofit? I have only been out of grad school for several years. So so you've never run a nonprofit. Uh, have you ever done a uh, a community type organization uh, project where you're gathering support and you know people to like go clean the streets and whatnot? Have you ever done like any you know work in in poverty? Um, I've done political organizing, um, before and during graduate school. What's that? That you got paid for? Um, at one point prior to graduate school. Yeah. I mean, it was just a short campaign affair, but, um, yeah. Okay. So a short time you did that and then you just graduated from grad school or you, you finished recently? It was 2013, I believe, that I graduated. And what have you been doing since? I worked for a big data company um, for a while, and then I've had this, um, the startup, Wander Plus. And how much has Wander Plus made? It's it's not profitable. It's not profitable. Okay. So yeah, I mean, 
it's a startup and i've been totally straightforward without the you know, I, I completely understand but like you understand my skepticism then nick like you come out of grad school you just recently left grad school a couple years ago and then you you have uh, a job and then an unsuccessful startup and then now you're doing an ico in a world where you where, where the, the money is like going out of control and you're going to give yourself a multi hundred thousand dollar salary I didn't say multi hundred thousand. Okay, a hundred six figure plus, depending on what you raise. Between one and fifty million dollars will, but it, at one million you'll have a hundred thousand. At fifty million, a mid range six figure salary, like five hundred thousand dollars a year. No, I would not take a five hundred thousand dollars salary. Okay. I wouldn't take anything close to that. Okay. Um, I, I really like that. A low six figure salary, as we just discovered in our example, is. Very normal for that, that's not what we, dis- that's not what, we discovered. What, we, what we discovered is that after five years of work, which is a shit ton of years, uh, that's nearly twenty five percent of a, a, a firefighter's career um, before they get to pension. After after twenty five percent of their of their entire career, they make a hundred thousand dollars. Whereas you have worked just three years out of grad school, and I don't mind. Again, I don't mind people making a hundred thousand dollars. You can say out of grad school, but like that's not sort of how you measure your career when you've been a researcher for that long. That's I mean, true. I mean, researchers don't make that much, though. So, like, right? Isn't that the case? No. I mean, people in my field often make much higher salaries than that, even if they're sane within uh, academia. Are you an economist? I'm a political economist. Okay, so let's talk opportunity cost. What do you make? I'm not really comfortable discussing my salary just sort of in the open world right now. I I generally wouldn't ask that question, but it seems relevant here that like the opportunity cost of what you make now matters in this instance. Otherwise, this this does come off as a money grab. Okay, so your theory is that I'm doing... It's it's not a theory. It's just that these are the numbers. Like you're you're saying that you're going to get a hundred thousand plus dollar salary. You've you've stated that you're going to try to also keep your current job. Um, and that you, you know, like to, to me, that sounds like you are trying to make a lot of money here. If I was trying to make a lot of money, why wouldn't I take say 1% of token supply then? Because you know, as well as I do that these tokens are stupid. I really don't think they're stupid. They, they, They don't have an use case. The tokens are pretty much useless to the project. Why? So let's step back from that. Um, and sort of explore that. Um, they're useless from the project because... The, the only use for these are that you're going to have a magic fund that the money is... Wait, what's, in. what's magic? Let's, let's ex- put a little discipline in our thinking here. Well, I generally... Is, I, like, what no, is, just a little bit. Just explain yeah. why it's magic. Don't just throw that in there. Well, because there's no purpose. But what exactly in the white paper or any of the articles I've written do you ascribe to be magic? Okay, maybe it's maybe it's not magic. That's more of a, a, yeah. a Max Weber sort of uh, characterization of what's going on here. So, like, yeah, 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 I would say, have you eaten fish lately? Uh, no. Okay. Well, have you seen a fish somewhere on a plate? Lately? I have. I have seen fish. Yeah. Okay. That's because a political scientist designed an institution, she won a Nobel laureate for doing so, that actually worked. It was a sophisticated set of incentives, and it was her life's work. And I'm not saying that I'm Eleanor Ostrom, but the reason that you have seen a fish somewhere is that sophisticated institution building occurred by thoughtful people. And that's not magic, that's real. And that's what we're trying to do here. 
Um, that, that doesn't answer the question of why your token has any utility or use at all. I, I, right. yeah. we, we, I have laid out a set of white papers, four or five articles, and you are coming back to that with saying it's magic. And I'm asking you where in that thinking well, I'm, any, I'm giving, any of it that you read strikes you as magic. The magic part is that you have like a, I don't know, an index fund for these, uh, for the people that, like the homeless people that are participating. Um, like you, you're it's gonna... not an index fund. It's okay. a straightforward thing of a token. Okay, so you're just gonna you're gonna yeah. hold a token for them. With what the presumption that the token is gonna go up in value? It's not a presumption. It's an institution and a currency designed to channel demand from crowdfunding projects into an appreciating asset. And if we can pull it... that off with fairly reasonable numbers, then. It will appreciate. It's a problematic promise, don't you think? Like I see, for example, in, in your Medium post, you write, it's a great investment for you and all, and it will save people from freezing to death on the streets. So the promise of something being a great investment is a little bit odd. I, I don't usually see that from, like, founders. Um, Especially in yeah, a, a I mean, liquid I, I, token I wouldn't, market. I wouldn't, I wouldn't debate with, you know, that that language might be too strong, but we are like, I think we've put out thoughtful work on, um, on designing a currency and an institution related to it in a way that will generate an appreciating asset. So if I, if I overstated in that statement, you know, then, then I should edit that. And right. I think so that, then, that, that's, okay. that's a valid point. Yeah. I overstated there. But, but that, that is the mentality with which you're operating here, considering that you're asking these people then to also hold the currency, which isn't a currency, it's an investment. So it's not really just a medium of exchange, it's more of a security. Yeah, so we're not we're not taking money from them and and putting it into a short-term pension fund with really good conditions on to whether or not they can access it. Um, we're, we're putting that money in on top of an honest day's wage for an honest day's work. Why? Why don't you just pay them cash? Why are you giving them the tokens? What's the purpose? Um, so in development literature in general, um, just throwing more money past a certain point um, that, again, is determined by the local economy and everything, um, it has sort of declining marginal return. Um, if you can set up a set of incentive systems where People can learn to save. Um, they can have payments distributed over time as opposed to lump sums. Um, so I, I, would, Adam, I, I would buy that, but this isn't cash. This is token. So They're like, getting cash. They're getting the U.S. dollar value upon disbursement. Right. But so, it's held so why not just give them the U.S. dollar value today and hold that for them? I think I know the answer, by the way. I think I, I think that it's probably because you don't want to be a bank, but you, in fact, are just designing a bank here. No, I, and so... It's the fidelity of the underbank. What, what excites me most about this, and I don't... Forgive me if I said this already, but what I think is most exciting about this project is the ability to um, use a crypto asset to allow nonprofits to have the power of markets um, and the power of investors. And if we can prove that model out, and I think I've laid out a very reasonable
now I'm not saying I'm God here. I'm just like, we think that this is a good model. Um, then that's a big game changer. That's using cryptocurrencies to upend the relationship between um, markets and nonprofit activity. Which would be a and reasonable that, assertion if you could answer the question, how do they get cash? Which, you know, let's say in a world where they're like cashing out these these monies, um, that's a that's a difficult proposition. How do they um, how do they actually get the cash Josh, money? Josh, can we just uh, like uh, I understand your concern. I'm not myself. Uh, for example, I'm currently based in Russia in Moscow. Yeah. And in the future, we plan to have like international expansion. And in Russia, it would be possible to just give out cash after the day's work. But how would you have like a helicopter drop it? This was my question uh, earlier. Like you can't just give you can't you'd have to have an, an uh, enormous so network of people handing cash out in that world. Um, so we're back to that. So like that, I mean, Anton, that's that uh, you haven't thought through the logistics here. So let's can we can we leave it at this and can and I'd like to hear if you think this is reasonable or not. Um, we have not mapped out in specific terms the offline temporary solutions because a those solutions are fairly simple. Um, if people are participating in a program, we can get a local bank um, involved um, or we could use money orders. There's a lot of imperfect solutions until um, the online solutions are powerful enough. Um, and, you know, we think those solutions are simple to the point that, yeah, we, you're right. I mean, we haven't mapped them out because, A, we hope that we don't have to use them. B, they're really so, not. It's, it's not that hard. Nick, like, settlement's the hardest problem in the world. That That's the entire problem cryptocurrency solves is is the settlement issues so like how would a local bank get your dollars you're asking how does a nonprofit interact with a local bank well your your nonprofit holds a lot of its money in this token so like let's say i as the uh, homeless veteran cash out my institution bucks uh by going to some exchange uh, which seems involved and difficult for someone. You who's... would be you'd be getting disbursements um, that the the pension fund like entity um, would be issuing disbursements, and they would be in the form of the local currency. Uh, if it has to involve an offline bank, then it would be at an offline bank, right? Maybe. I mean, like, I, I guess that's what I'm asking is how do you get the money from your account to the offline bank, considering that your money is mostly held in this crypto? We're not. Oh, God, no. Our operating budget is not held in a cryptocurrency. But you're going to have holding. you're going to have like the homeless veteran hold his in crypto then? No, no, no. We're holding. So the pension fund entity uh, like entity will will hold fund will hold roots. Um, the. The um, root project itself will, will hold roots. Um, but the, you know, our operating budget and everything like that will most certainly be in, in U.S. dollars or something more stable. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, okay. So real quick, um, one thing. If, let's say Chris 
is not a Y Combinator alum? Well, I'm not really looking to entertain something that I know is not the case. Okay. Um, but let, let's say it was the case. This is crypto. I see all sorts of things. What would happen to him then? Would he be part of your project still? Um, well, what would happen to me is that I would have my PhD stripped by APSA um, for perpetuating fraudulent activity. And so all professional academic organizations have rules to strip people of you know, in the way that you can lose your doctorate as a medical doctor, um, if you engage in activity like what you're worried about, um, I would lose, you know, the, the six years of my life would go down the drain. Okay. Yeah. So can, then on the other side, uh, non-contentious, can you explain, like, who have you guys approached about doing this stuff? I'm, I'm curious about, like, the process of the ICO stuff. How did you, who, who's running this ICO I know that Anton is involved on that side. Anton and myself. How are you promoting it? Um, we, you know, we we put the Bitcoin talk announcement and the bounty campaign out there. Um, what's what's today? Monday, so a little more than two weeks ago. Um, and then you know I've been trying to write some substantive articles that obviously mention root project and touch on those issues, but also are, you know, of they're at least interesting, whether or not they're right, you know, um, and, um, we've had a few, you know, paid publications and coin telegraph and things like that. Um, but this is, you know, this is a pre ICO where whose money um, are you using to promote it? Uh, just personal funds. Um, and we're not, you know, the the promotion budget is is quite small. Um, yeah. So what we do, we do have like, uh, you know, your standard bounty campaign where you pay people to have your signature on Bitcoin Talk. And for example, in two weeks, we've got like a massive response. So by now, we've got thousand members on our Slack channel, for example. And those people just keep spreading the word around on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Etc. So it's mostly just you know an active community which tries to spread the one spread the word around. And Anton, how did you get involved? Um, so uh, you know I'm an old-time uh, ICO investor myself. I I'm a long-time Bitcoin fan since uh, 2012. I'm, I, I like smart contracts. Did, did you invest? Reading, did you invest in like Factum or what did you invest in? Oh uh, no, I did not invest in Factum. Well, for example, you know the latest one would be Status, uh, Bancor, Civic. Well, that's those are the, the current ones. In the old days, which ones did you invest in? Oh uh, yeah, I invested into the Ethereum one, and I also uh, invested into 2012, 2013. Do you know those group buys on Bitcoin Talk? Uh, when uh, you you would be able to buy, for example, GPU. Uh, cars in a group buy, the, and you could trade I, I them later on. I wouldn't call those ICOs, but yeah, yeah so it's like not you ICO, did those. But it's like it's like you know you know it's like the market is maturing, so it's like uh, it's like this like crypto asset right. similar like. But you didn't so, uh, did, you didn't you didn't invest in like Omni or Factum or anything like that. Oh no 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 not those ones. You know. Uh, do you I, know Do you know what Omni is? Uh, nope. Okay. Uh, you, I've heard of it, but I don't know exactly what 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 this is. Have you ever heard of Factum? Uh, Yes, I've heard of Factum. Have you heard of Mastercoin? Uh, yes, I've heard of Mastercoin, okay. but I would not be able to tell you about those in detail. Okay. 
Um, so, like, as a story about how I came to the project, so I was uh, reading the subreddit called ICO Crypto, where Nick has published his white paper. And, you know, I first saw the white paper and I was, like, excited about, uh, you know, I basically thought, wow, I mean, uh, those guys with, like, you know, with academic two PhDs, we've got Dr. Ashley Hooper, who worked, like, at the Deutsche Bank, we've got a white cabinet alum, we've got, like, an ex-IDM employee. And me, as an investor, I was first excited in the semester because I thought, you know, Wow, not many people in US go into ICO and especially with like established reputations. So I was interested first as an investor myself. And I messaged uh, I messaged uh, Nick on LinkedIn because uh, you know to be to be frank to be frank, I just thought that maybe somebody has put up a fake website, has put up fake photos of somebody. So I just messaged Nick on uh, Nick on LinkedIn and asked, "Hey, is this your project?" And you know we started messaging back. I started giving some tips about like how you can, for example, improve this technology or how you can, for example, uh, you know, add the smart contract here and there. And from from since then, I've been start basically working on the ICO, on launching the Bitcoin talk threads. Uh, we've hired recently in Belarus, uh, you know, our uh, Solidity engineer, uh, Alex Bajanov, who was hired as well for, by IBM Hyperledger. So, you know, we've built like a really quick team really fast in the past basically two or three weeks. And, you know, basically started from a simple LinkedIn message uh, more than a month ago. And where did you suggest that he like smatter the smart contracts? Uh, where did I suggest? Oh, basically the pension fund mechanism. Uh, you, you know, you can really put it into a smart, smart contract system where you basically have validators uh, checking that the project has been completed, which then send the funds to the workers' pension fund. And then you have like different validators checking his pension fund. So you can really create the smart contract. Uh, for example, uh, in the white paper, or the way the project works. So you've got this, uh, you know, this, uh, this worker, this, for example, homeless person, and his, his funds are locked in on the smart contract for a minimum of 18 months. And then if different validators, so for example, a medical doctor, a person from the homeless shelter, a social worker, after they send their approvals to the smart contract, the funds start getting released. So uh, that's the smart contract which I proposed. Uh, you know, so that, that's just, uh, I mean, that's, Anton, that's just a multi-sig, right, essentially? Um, it is a multi-sig, but it's with, a, you know, with, it's like with the continuous release function. Sure. Where and where you can also have like a master key uh, by the like Roots Foundation, which which can stop it. So you can also specify every different smart contract. Uh, yes, that's the way it works. Okay, uh, you can so actually see it on GitHub. We started the development on GitHub. It's currently an Ethereum ERC twenty based token, but you know I'm uh, looking for the development of other like protocols, for example Bitcoin or SK. I don't know, for example, Civic, they kind of say, you know, we're launching on Ethereum, but we're going to move to Bitcoin or SK in the future. So for us, if Ethereum for some reason is not able to scale or is not like suitable for our needs, uh, this could be moved to like different protocols. Are you guys using future. any of the parity stuff? Uh, sorry, no, not parity stuff, no. No? <laughs> All right. Yeah, and so just to complete the Anton story, um, Anton's been really just an incredible team member. And um, it had happened that he just finished his econ undergrad at the department where I did a, um, a year abroad. Um, and 
He's also um, uh, been admitted to a quantitative political science master's program. Um, and so that kind of funny level of coincidence, I think, um, uh, made us both kind of, I think, start talking to each other pretty seriously about it. And I've learned a lot what from Anton. What percentage of the coins is Anton getting? Um, I'm getting zero percentage coins so far. So, like, we have not specified how much I'm getting. But you but will, I get, mean, I you will get something? Um, I would not get, like, uh, a significant portion. I think I'll settle most likely for zero percent. And, and we're yeah. also um, agnostic. We say in the white paper that, um, you know, so one of the things, if we can be a true nonprofit as opposed to a social enterprise, then donations to the crowdfunding campaign or most crowdfunding projects could be tax deductible, um, which would be pretty huge. Um, and so, wouldn't that just the, require that you register as a nonprofit then? Right. And so, so that is the novel set of sort of legal questions and the relationship between a Swiss foundation and um, an American nonprofit um, that raise pr pretty kind of novel tax law questions and all of that. And so if that 10% that's reserved for employees interferes with our capacity to stay as a true nonprofit, um, then in that case, we'll just put that into the contingency fund and employees won't hold any tokens. Are you, uh, but are, are you paying dividends or? No. No, no. So do you have um, any fiduciary duty to investors at all? Um, well, to run a good, honest nonprofit, yes. Um, but if it's, if it's a nonprofit, it's incompatible with the notion that this is a good investment, isn't it? So uh, we don't think so. We think that if the nonprofit is walled off from... Um, you know, so things like Chris and I not taking any tokens and stuff like that. Um, if we can, we can create a model where a Swiss foundation holds the token um, and then donates to the nonprofit. Um, and those are um, lawyer opinions and um, legal research that, because it, it truly is novel, you know, as you were pointing out how, how new this is, that unfortunately... I don't think I, I don't think I said this is new. I think I said that like this design. Well, sorry, I meant ICOs in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ICOs um, are so, new, but they're just pink sheet stocks. Well, I, I I disagree that they're just anything. I think that there can be a lot of um, design that can go on that could prove to be economically very important. Uh, I think we're just at the the beginning stages of sort of um, financial innovation um, that is coming from this. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, so sorry, point, point being is just that, um, you know, we're going to have to spend a lot on legal bills. We've been straightforward that, you know, this is the pre ICO to allow us to do that. Um, we've, you know, been having talks with lawyers and, um, after the pre ICO, all of that legal work is the first priority. Um, and um, point being is that if that 10% that is held by 
employees, you know, we want that in there because it aligns the interests of the organization with the interests of investors, um, even more so than just the organization holding a lot of token. Um, Unlike a salary? What's that? I mean, a salary does that too, right? Not uh, so usually our thinking, and again, as you say, this is so new, you can't really cite precedent, right? No, you, but you can. I didn't say, say like, that. <laughs> this is not that new. This is just, this is ICOs, no. calling them ICOs okay. is new. Sorry. Sorry, I'm saying ICOs. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, um, that the precedent that, um, you know, I, I was the one that put this rule in there. Um, um, typically in, say, commercial real estate, right? The, the manager of investment portfolio needs to have at least some of his funds need to be 5%, 10% at a minimum um, in order for other investors to feel aligned. Um, and that's why we chose 10%. But our priority is also to be able well, that, to be that's, a true... Isn't that for one individual? That's for the... Because your 10% is so distributed it, among like lots of employees. So within the total capital stack um, of a commercial real estate deal, right? Um, within that equity portion, you probably usually require about 10% to be um, the, um, whether it's an individual or the management company as a whole, um, you require about 10% of that equity sure. to be, you know, as a minimum. And so that was just our thinking. Again, we're not claiming that's the right answer, but we want, you know, right, we're so trying to. So you, come guys, up with that. you guys will be the first, what, uh, nonprofit in history to have investors, have equity holders? Is that essentially the idea here? Well, they wouldn't be equity holders, no. The, the, that's the, the flexibility of a crypto asset and its design. Um, you know, that's, that's what excites me about the scalability of it. Okay. Um, and if, if we can do that, you know, if we have to be just a social enterprise, um, then we'll be a social enterprise. And frankly, that's easier for us in a lot of ways. But the goal is to be um, a pure non, you know, pure nonprofit. Okay. I think that's everything I need. I mean, do you guys want to tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find out about this investment? Yeah, it's, it's uh, rootproject.co, R-O-O-T, project.co. Um, and, you know, thanks for your time. And I hope I didn't... Um, it's pretty weird, you know. This is the most public thing I've ever done, and and uh, you you come fast with the questions, and I, I hope I didn't um, respond too aggressively or anything. To no, anything. no, you're you're fine. I just uh, this is where I, I this is the the place where I try to ask uh, very difficult questions, and I know that I've probably done a lot more thinking about some of the weird issues that you're going to encounter than you have. Um, at least I hope I have. <laughs> like, uh, I, w I wish that I hadn't because I would like to see you guys be able to answer some of those questions. And I think that those are questions that you're going to have to answer at some point in your project. Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I, like I said, we don't need to rehash the, sure. the offline on solutions. But you're right. You know, I, and I would hope, too, like this is an enterprise that requires a lot of deep expertise in a lot of different areas. And um, I think I supply some of that. I think Chris supplies some of that. I know Anton supplies some of that. And then, you know, if we're successful, we got to be building out a team where we can have a set of world-class experts making those calls. So. All right. Um, yeah. And Anton, where can they find you? 
Um, they can they can find me on the Slack channel. We've got our uh, Slack channel where I'm usually active. Um, or you can email us at info at rootproject.co. Uh, that's the best place to find us. Great. And this is Junsa chunking up the deuce of the south. The mass is end to go in peace. St. Catherine, pray for us.